Open your Bibles up to Hebrews chapter 12. So this is uh, the final message in a series we've been doing this semester, walking through this book of the New Testament. And the theme of our series has been Christ is better. Because I believe that is the goal of Hebrews. Hebrews, we talked about at the beginning in January, beginning of the semester, Hebrews is really just one long sermon. It's actually not a long sermon. It's just a sermon. You can read it in about 45 minutes. And he keeps showing us over and over and over in this letter how Christ is better than everything else we're tempted to put our trust in. Christ, we learned about in Hebrews 1, Christ is better than angels. Christ's covenant is a better covenant than the old covenant. Christ is a better priest than the Old Testament priests. Christ is better than Moses. Christ's sacrifice of himself, which we sang about tonight, is a better sacrifice than the animals of the Old Testament over and over and over. And Hebrews, as it tells us how much better Christ is than anything else we could ever put our trust in. The, the author keeps giving us these warning signs. He keeps telling us, be careful. These practical warnings, making sure that we don't fail to listen to Jesus. Because God long ago spoke by the prophets and through the law, and now he speaks to us through his son, Jesus Christ. So we don't want to fail to listen to Jesus. He tells us to make sure that we don't uh, stop following Jesus, that we give in to unbelief. He doesn't want us to go down the path of unbelief. He wants us to think about and consider Jesus and not fail to understand the gospel. Last, last month, we talked about Hebrews chapter 11, which is a, a whole chapter on faith. And tonight, we're looking at the first two verses of chapter 12, which is really kind of the application of last month's message. So last month, we looked at what faith is, and we looked at all these examples of faith from the Old Testament. And now in chapter 12, he's connecting that, and he's saying, this is what faith looks like in your life. So look at chapter 12 as I read the first two verses to us tonight. This is Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, all these people from chapter 11 who lived by faith, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So Hebrews 11 is this hall of fame of faith. All these saints who do amazing things for God and by God's power and by faith, and though they are dead, he says they are still witnessing to us. They are speaking to us today. And they're telling us of God's faithfulness, of the joy of trusting God even in suffering, 
And they are witnesses that we can walk through life, endure suffering, wait on God. And in the end, we're going to see all the promises of God fulfilled. Now in chapter 12, verse 1, he brings application to us for what we're supposed to do as we hear them witness to us of God's faithfulness. What are we supposed to do? And I think the main call of the text tonight is in verse 1 where he says, let us run. So the call on us, if we're going to live by faith, is let us run by faith. That's the action he's calling us to. Let us run by faith. And running here is a metaphor for living life. We're supposed to live a life filled with faith. And we're supposed to run this life, run this race by faith. And he's using race, running, as an analogy, a picture for us. Life is a marathon. We are running. It's a race. There is a race set before us. I know you have all these things in your future as you're thinking about college or high school or what happens after that. There's a whole course of life in front of you that God has laid out that you're going to have to run through. And he's saying this is a race. It's a marathon. It's a long distance race. I have to confess, I have never been a long distance runner. I know a lot of you guys run uh, long distance races. That makes absolutely no sense to me at all. I don't understand it. I don't get it. I remember being in high school and playing basketball. My first two years of high school, I played basketball. And the cross-country co coach would always come at the end of basketball season. And he would sit down and recruit us to cross-country. And we would just laugh. I mean, we were just like, this is the most ridiculous thing. Why would we ever run? What's the point of running like 10 miles, 12 miles, 15 miles? It made no sense to me. And just so you see how much I hated it, you have to know something about me. That to this day, okay, I love short distances. I like running from point A to boy, point B as fast as I possibly can. And this started at a young age. And to this very day, you right now are looking at the, to this day, record holder for Dexter Terrace Elementary School, fourth grade, 75-yard dash. Well, hey, hold the applause. I know. To this day... No one at Dexter Terrace Elementary School in the fourth grade has ever run a faster 75-yard dash than I ran when I was in fourth grade. Do you know how I know no one has beaten me? Because the school shut down the very next year. So to this day, I hold the record. Unfortunately, unfortunately, the author is telling us that the Christian life is not a 75-yard dash. I know there's moments we get excited and that's good. We want to be excited for God and passionate for Jesus. But he's telling us life is a long distance race. These long distance runners think they have something on me on this one. This fits the analogy of Hebrews chapter 12. It's a marathon. That's why he says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. It's not just a burst. It's an endurance race. It's long distance. Remember, He's telling them Jesus is better. He doesn't want them to give up. He doesn't want them to quit. He has all these examples in chapter 11 who, of people who lived by faith. A lot of them never saw the fulfillment of what they were looking for. Like Moses, who, who for 40 years led them through the desert and looked into the promised land, but couldn't go into the promised land. The people of Israel, 40 years wandering by faith, trusting God day by day. 
It's, it's about following God over the long haul. He's saying faith, it's not a one-time deal. It's continually, day by day, trusting Jesus, going to Jesus, no matter what the circumstances. We run this race by faith. And there's three things about this race he tells us. This is what characterizes our race. This is what it means to run by faith. Okay, we have three points tonight on three, three things he tells us about this race. Number one, he tells us in this race that we are not running alone. It's, it's a marathon race, but even if I was giving, even as I was sharing that analogy, if you were picturing, your, picturing yourself running and you were all by yourself, that's not the picture of this race. This is a race that we run together. These folks in chapter 11 have run this marathon before us. They're speaking to us. They're telling us about this race. We have parents and community group leaders and pastors and friends, and we have a whole church family around us running this race together, which is really helpful. It's really helpful to look at Hebrews 11. It's really helpful to know your Bibles because you can ask the question, has anyone before me ever walked through what I'm walking through? Has anyone ever struggled with what I'm struggling with, trusting God or the questions I have about God? And the answer is always going to be yes. There's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing you're going to experience or be tempted with that hasn't been tempted, that hasn't tempted someone before. Whatever your struggles, whatever you're facing, you're not the first one to walk through this. He says in Hebrews 12:1, there's this great cloud of witnesses and they're preaching to us. They're telling us you're not alone. You're not the first one to run this race. You're not the first one to go through middle school and high school. You're not the first one to, to go through these challenges that you're going to face. We have all these biblical examples by God's grace. You have these living examples as well in front of you. You have your parents with you. You have a church family. This is a race that we don't run by ourselves. And I want to emphasize this point that you're not alone because there is this temptation, I think, when you're a teenager to, to sometimes isolate yourself, to pull away from others. Um, you can feel like, you know, I just got to figure this out myself or you don't want to be around others. Or there's even, I've seen a, a, a lot of teenagers have a temptation to kind of pull away from older Christians like their parents or older people in the church. And that's really unwise because there are folks who've walked this path before you. They've walked through things you're going to walk through. They've done it by faith. They have a wisdom for you. They have things they can share with you. And God wants you to know this race we're running is not one that we run alone, which is why Relay is set up the way it is. Because we, I have a biblical conviction that Scripture really places an emphasis on the role of a parent in a teen's life. That, that you're the one God's called. You're the one God's given grace to disciple these teens and lead them and give them wisdom. And we want you here with them learning God's Word. And so for the teens, I just want you to see your parents are a gift from God. They have wisdom for you and you are not alone. Uh, you have folks who would love to help you. This race is not one that we run alone. We have this great cloud of witnesses around us. That's the first point. Point number two, 
is sin is our biggest obstacle, okay? Sin is our biggest obstacle. Look at verse 1 again. We have this great cloud of witnesses. Let us also, he says, lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. We're running this race and nobody running a race would intentionally add weight to themselves as they run this race, okay? So I have a weight down here, and I'm going to get Nicholas to come up here real quick. Run up here, Nicholas. You're going to illustrate for us. Give it up for Nicholas. I need somebody. I need somebody. I need somebody to help me illustrate this. Okay, Nicholas. It's okay. No, it's okay. All I need you to do. Yeah, it's okay. I need you to run as fast as you can to those chairs and back. Ready? Are you nervous? Yeah. It's going to be okay. Okay, get your breath. Okay. Okay, go as fast as you can. As fast as you can. Give it up for Nicholas. Give it up for Nicholas. Give it up for Nicholas. Okay, okay, okay. okay. That was fast. Give it up. That was really good. Okay. Okay, Nicholas, this is a 60-pound dumbbell, okay? I'm going to put it down so you can pick it up. I don't want to hand it to you. So pick up that dumbbell. Now run as fast as you can to those chairs and back. Go, Nicholas. Go. Go. Oh, 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 oh. Whoa, okay. Give it up for Nicholas. Okay, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Good job, Nico. Good job. Okay, catch your breath. I saw the sweat start coming out. Was that heavy? Yeah. <laughs> That's the whole point. Thank you. Yes, exactly. Exactly, which is what he says in the text. Lay aside. That, that's kind of the picture he wants us to have. We're running this race. And we're running, I mean, that was, that was a pretty short distance there, you know, like not even a 75-yard dash. I should have raced you. That would have been interesting. Uh, but nobody is going to pick up a 60-pound weight and carry this as they run a marathon race. And yet that's what he says sin is. Sin is what slows us down. Sin attacks our faith. It's, it's, it's a weight on us. It, it, it holds us down. We're trying to run and we want to run and we, wanna, we have this great cloud of witnesses and sin is the biggest obstacle to us running this race. It clings closely. It, it entangles us. It's like, it's like a net around our feet. We're trying to run and it's like our legs are tied up and we can't go anywhere. That's what he's saying sin does to us as we run this race. It is our enemy. Sin is your enemy. And the hardest part about sin, we keep talking about this at Relay over and over, is sin is not something out there. Okay, there are sinners out there. There are people who sin out there. Sin is not out there. Sin is in here. The problem is our hearts. The problem's inside of us. Sin is the enemy within. So when he's saying this weight and this sin which clings so closely. It clings so closely because it's inside of us. It's our greatest obstacle. And he's saying, we need to lay it aside. We, we, need, we need to put it away. We need to fight it and resist it. When you become a Christian, when you turn from your sin and put your faith in Jesus Christ, Scripture says, number one, you're forgiven of your sin. God justifies you. He declares you innocent and righteous because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. It's by faith alone that we are saved. 
It also says that when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, God gives us a new heart. We need a new heart to put our faith in Him. He gives us a new heart. So our old hearts, before we were Christians, is what Scripture describes as being a slave to sin. We can't say no to sin. It's all we do is sin. But when we're born again by the Holy Spirit, God puts His Holy Spirit, He gives us a new heart And now we have power by the Holy Spirit to say no to sin. You do not have to obey sin. If you are a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit and you have power to say no to sin. Now we're still going to struggle with sin. We're going to be tempted. Times we're going to fall short. We need to remind ourselves what Jesus did to forgive us. But we don't want to just say, well, there's nothing I can do about it, you know. That's not true. God has made a way for us to fight our sin. And that's what he's saying here. We need to lay aside the weight. Sin, it weighs on us. It's it's heavy. It's a burden. It makes us feel guilty. It makes us feel ashamed. We don't want to run for Jesus. We don't want to run with endurance this race. And so we need to be reminded of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that there's forgiveness for sin, that we don't have to obey our sin. So you may say, how do I do that? How do I lay aside my sin? How do I get rid of this weight that I'm carrying? I feel like I'm running this race and I just feel like I've got this weight on my shoulder. Scripture is pretty simple. It says, confess it. Confess your sin and you will be forgiven. We're talking about faith. Faith and confession go together. I have always heard it described uh, as two sides of a coin. This is a quarter. So confession, repentance, and faith are like two sides of a coin. On one side, it's the same thing. Whenever we're repenting of our sin, we're turning away from it and we're turning towards Jesus Christ and we're running towards Him and putting our faith in Him. And whenever we're giving into our sin, it's like we're turning away from Jesus and we're running this direction. And so repentance and faith are two things that we have to do to to lay aside the weight, to get rid of it, to, to put it aside so we can run by faith in Jesus Christ. Christ. So we, we have this great cloud of witnesses. We're running this race. We have a great cloud of witnesses. Sin is our biggest obstacle. We need to confess it, repent of it, turn from it, lay it aside so we can run this race by faith. And then point number three, we run looking to Jesus. This is what he says in verse number two. So this is what we're turning. We're turning away from sin We're turning away from following our sin. We're running this race. And we run the race looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. When we typically run, humanly speaking, when we're actually running, we typically look at our feet. At least I often do. Because you guys know this in Relay, but I have this problem Um, which is amazing. I was so fast as a kid, like super fast. It's amazing. I'm so fast because I had a problem as a kid I've told you about where I can't catch myself when I fall. So you may have noticed this this, uh, scar on my chin. That's because four different times I had stitches in my chin because when I fell, I landed on my chin and split it open. I don't want to hear any giggles out there. That's not funny at all, you know? Uh, And so for me, when I run, it's very important I watch my feet because if I don't watch my feet and I trip, I'm going to bust my face. And it's the only thing I got, really. You know, it's only, this is really all I have is this. So I, I, I'm always watching my feet. I'm trail running. I'm doing something. I'm watching my feet. And it's interesting that he tells us in verse 2, when we run, we want to look 
to Jesus. So we're not looking down. We're not looking at our feet. We're not looking at the path in front of us. As we're running this race by faith, we're actually looking up. We're looking up and we're looking to Jesus. And he, and he tells us here two things about Jesus. He says that Jesus is the founder and perfecter of our faith. Okay, he, he's the founder of our faith. This word can mean author or initiator. This is where faith begins. If you want to know where faith starts from, it starts from looking to Jesus. This is where faith comes from. You know, I just uh, recently I read a book about David Livingston who went to Africa and he was kind of a missionary, also an explorer. And for, he, he, he was part of this exploration that, that tons of people did trying to find the source of the Nile. And they would travel into inner Africa and they would, most of them, almost all of them died. I mean, there was, there was tribes in there and there was all kinds of deadly uh, animals and, and tigers. And, and they were going into inner Africa and they were looking for the source of the Nile, trying to find it. If you want to find the source of faith, where it comes from, it comes from looking to Jesus. And I found that when I take my eyes off him, that's often when I stumble and fall. That's often when sin begins to look better to me. When I'm not uh, thinking about Jesus, when I'm not looking to Jesus, when I get distracted by other things and I'm trying to run this race and I'm looking to the right, I'm looking to the left, I'm focused on where I'm going. Instead of focusing on Jesus Christ, that is when I stumble and fall. He's the founder of our faith. He's also, it says, the perfecter of our faith. That means that that faith begins with Jesus and it also ends with Jesus. So from beginning to end, faith is all about the Alpha and the Omega, Jesus Christ. If you're a Christian here, you're going to make it to the end because of Jesus Christ. He initiated your faith. He's the founder of your faith. And he's going to make your faith perfect one day. We don't just come to Jesus one time. We don't just come to Jesus the first time we, we want to be a Christian. We come to Jesus day in and day out, over and over and over, each and every day. We have to look to Jesus. He's describing faith for us, how to run the race. And he's saying every day we have to look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. And I want to encourage you as a part of Relay, this is really my heart and my goal, that you, you would keep your eyes focused on him. You wouldn't get distracted by all these different things. You know, it, it's so tempting right now. There's so many different beliefs out there. There's so many people saying all these different things. You know, you can read the news and, and we have to think about gender. You know, we've done worldview stuff at Relay and we have to think about uh, different worldviews and religions and what they believe. But honestly, everything gets so simpler when we just say, okay, what, is, what does Jesus say about that? What does Jesus think about that? What did Jesus do for us to to make us right with God. Because all of a sudden we start remembering God is holy and sin is the problem and sin is inside of me. Jesus paid for my sins. He came and he died for me and he rose again and he seated at the right hand of God. And when I start thinking about Jesus and what Jesus has done, it does two things in my life. It gives me clarity all of a sudden, I'm encouraged in my soul, and I'm clear on what the gospel is. I'm not confused anymore. 
And it also does a second thing, though. It gives me love for God and love for others. Instead of looking out at the world and just kind of scowling at it and saying, how could you think that? How could you do that? All of a sudden, I realize, you know, this is why Jesus came. He came to die for sinners. He came to give his life away for people so that they could be forgiven of their sin just like me. And so even when I get distracted thinking about all these things, I just always want to bring my attention back to Jesus. Just clarifies it. It simplifies it. It helps me run the race with endurance. You are not alone. You have a family. You have a church family. There's this race laid out in front of you for the rest of your life, but you're not going to run it alone. You're going to run it with others beside you. Sin is going to be your biggest obstacle in this race. It's not going to be somebody else putting a roadblock in front of you. It's going to be your own sin is going to be the biggest obstacle. So you've got to lay it aside, turn from your sin, repent of it, trust in Jesus Christ, and then we run the race keeping our eyes focused on Jesus. And with those three things, he tells us in these two verses, by doing those three things, really, we can run this race with endurance. We can honor God. We can live a life pleasing to God. We can enjoy these years in relay and beyond. We can have good relationships with our family and friends. But most importantly, um, we're going to get to the end trusting in Jesus Christ, which is the whole point of this letter. Christ is better. Jesus is better. He's better than anything else you're going to find in this world. You, could, you can pursue all the money, fame, power. Uh, you could explore and do all kinds of adventures and see amazing things. You're never going to find anything better than Jesus Christ and what he did to save you from your sins. So I want to pray for you. I want to end by praying for you tonight. And I'm specifically, I'm going to pray for the sixth graders tonight, the ones new to Relay, mainly that you would have great faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So join me as I pray. Oh, Father, I thank you for your word, which instructs us on how we are to live this life by faith. And I want to pray for the sixth graders who are here tonight for the first time. I pray for each and every one of them that they would have a great faith in Jesus Christ. Pray for each one of them, Lord, that you would save them from their sins. Thank you for their parents bringing them here tonight. I pray that you would bless their families, bless their relationships, bless them as they start middle school, whether they're homeschooling or going to a new school. I pray that you would bless them this upcoming year. I pray for advance. Pray that they would make great friends. That would be a blessing to them. But more than anything else, I pray that they would look to you, Jesus, the founder and perfecter of their faith, and they would live lives to your glory and for your fame, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.